Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. Jacqueline Steele is a podcaster, blogger, and self-discovery coach. She helps her clients normalize the human experience, create alignment, step into their sense of self-worth, and walk a path of radical self-belief so that they can achieve what they want to in this life. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for season two. Our first guest for the season is Jacqueline Steele. And she is a self-discovery coach. And we are so happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, Sonia. I'm honored. I'm really glad. We talked before and I thought you were amazing. And I just had to make you the first person because (laughs) you specialize in connection Mm. and the soul connection. Mm. And that's what our whole thing for this season is. So would you like to expand on that? Oh, I I love that that's your focus because I feel like the soul is the heart of the human experience. And I think sometimes as humans, and it's understandable because being human in this three-dimensional world is hard, but I think we often get it backwards. We look to the outside of us, to other people, to experiences, to material goods, to create a sense of peace and stability and happiness within us when really it's alignment with the soul that allows us to feel that sense of deep knowing and peace. And it satisfies that longing that each of us has for home, for connection, for depth. And so I think the soul is really the portal to joy and happiness. It's not anything outside of us. It's the depth of who we are. Yes. And you know what? I'm guilty of doing the opposite. Same family. We grew up very poor. Mm. So I wanted everything. (laughs) I thought since I had nothing that everything was going to give me joy. And it doesn't. It's more stuff to clean. It's more stuff to store. Mm -hmm. It's more. And when I started practicing gratitude, it all changed. Oh, gratitude is such a powerful practice. It's, it, it, is. it puts everything into perspective. And I don't think there's anything innately wrong with material goods, but if it's something that doesn't bring you joy and it's not functional, then does it really have, does it really deserve to have a place in your life? Well, it's true because I'm one person. And granted, I do have, I celebrate Christmas holiday. It's the only time I celebrate. (laughs) I just like the festivity of that time. Oh, me too. But I don't need a hundred plates. No. You know, it's like, why do I need so many plates? Mm. I store them for a whole year for one day. One day. Yeah. 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 Oh, I completely agree. I just... The older I get, the more I want to be intentional about what I bring into my life, whether that be like Christmas decorations, which I'm minimal. Like I love a beautiful tree, but I don't like a a lot of other accoutrements because I feel like it gets in the way. It creates dust. It's just more stuff that I have to take care of. And then also in the products that I buy, as I get older and I become more conscious of the environment and 
what we're doing to our bodies and the chemicals that we are wearing and eating and et cetera, I want to be more conscious of what I consume too. Like, where's my clothing coming from? How is that being produced? I love makeup, but what kind of products am I putting on my skin that is absorbing everything? I want it to be intentional stuff, stuff that's good for me, not stuff that's poisonous, you know? And I I feel like that also translates into the spiritual aspect of what we all experience in life. Like, what are we feeding ourselves? What are we consuming on a daily basis that is feeding our minds? Is it good? Is it pure? Is it helpful? Or is it creating elements of fear in us that we just, that will not serve us in the long run? If you really think about it, most of the thoughts we have are not even ours. Yeah. Oh, they're the culture, they're the family, they're mm. friends. And to be around toxic relationships, the thing is, some people feel that being in a relationship, regardless of it, if it's toxic, that it's okay, because they're not alone. Mm. Yeah, you know, oh, that, that's that such loneliness. A yeah, that's a painful experience. How would you talk to a client? Mm that comes to you and is in a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people find comfort in a toxic Mm -hmm. relationship because that's all they know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I make it a point never to tell my clients what to do. I'm not that kind of, I'm not that kind of (laughs) coach. But what I like to do is ask questions and ask as many questions as it requires to get to the root of what they're feeling. And so I think the first step in any kind of healing is cultivating awareness because sometimes people aren't even aware they're in a toxic relationship until they start to talk about it with somebody that is out of their circle of influence. Um, And so that building of awareness, whether it's about a toxic relationship with somebody else or even a toxic relationship with yourself, that is one of the most important elements is building that awareness. And then going a level deeper is pinpointing where it shows up and what the triggers are and what the reactions are, whether it's your reaction or somebody else's. And then, you know, gaining some understanding around that. I feel like it's easy as a coach to see things very clearly for what they are. And I've had a lot of life experience and have been doing this kind of work for a while, but people are going to go at their own pace. And I try and leave a lot of grace and space for people to go at their own pace and push enough that people will explore areas that may be uncomfortable, but also Mm -hmm. not push so hard that it drives somebody away because there's so much fear around change. I feel like as humans in general, We are fearful creatures. We're afraid of new jobs. We're afraid of moving. We're afraid of new relationships. We're afraid of trying a new makeup look. We're afraid of changing up our personal style or getting a new car. And not everybody is like this, but in general, fear hides out in so many places. And we may not even understand that it's fear. It may look like self-doubt. It may look like self-sabotage. That's why I think this self-discovery process is so Um, exciting and foundational for me because I feel like that is the bedrock of a life that is 
healthy, has the ability to be filled with joy, deep, authentic joy, not like a temporary happiness that you get when you eat something wonderful or meet somebody new or buy something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did that answer your question about, about, uh, yes, it does. I mean, and then, I mean, that's what the whole poetic resurrection podcast is about. Mm. It's exploring perceptions and introspective look at, you know, asking yourself questions. And it's true. You can't tell someone I have tried that in the past because as an, you're being objective, you can see, but then I'm, that's me placing judgment too. Who's to say that I'm right. Yeah. I'm constantly asking questions, but sometimes asking questions as a friend Mm -hmm. could come across as interrogating, even though you're not interrogating, but people feel attacked when you ask them questions as well. Mm. When it comes to your work and counseling, how do you approach a client? And you already covered much of this, but in order to get in touch with their soul, Mm. do do you mention anything about spirituality? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Spirituality. And and I like to bring in elements of what I call co-creation where we invite God in to do what God does. To me, my work would not be my work with the element of spirit. It just wouldn't. As a human, I can only go so far. But when we bring in God who is limitless, there's nothing that can't be healed, achieved, seen. So I feel like the spirituality aspect of what I do is absolutely the most important And if the only thing people were to gain in doing work with me is cultivating a relationship with the divine, then I feel like my, my work would be done, but I bring in all kinds of elements. I encourage people to pray. I encourage people to sit in meditation. I encourage people to explore different modalities of spirituality, maybe get out of their comfort zone a little bit, because I believe God shows up in all kinds of ways. Yes. I really believe in the God energy or higher self or universal knowledge. It's something that you know, it's there. It's Mm. hard to prove it. Mm -hmm. And I feel that all world religions have touched upon it. Mm. I think it's the way the strict rulings on how you're supposed to get there. Mm. And it doesn't come from the outside. It comes from within. Yeah. You know, and if you quiet that mind that is always screaming, and you allow your soul to speak, you come into beautiful things. Yeah. I've been an actor for a long time and I wanted fame and all of that and the money. And then I, but I was fighting myself. I still do it. I mean, I just booked a gig not so long ago. Amazing. And yeah, it, I really feel that it wasn't really my calling. Oh. I think reaching out, I always felt it was a stepping stone to something else. Mm. But I really feel that when I meditated, I came into being into knowing that I'm here to help somebody. And how can I help even though I said, there's no money in it. (laughs) I said, okay, you know what? I don't do anything for anyone. And I saw during the pandemic, there were people that were very angry and doing hate, but then there were also people that were doing amazing Mm. things. And I said, how can I be part of that? Mm -hmm. And that works with my personality. Mm-hmm. And that's why the podcast came to be. Oh. And that's why I get to meet beautiful people like oh, you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Well, and how beautiful is that? I feel like 
the more awareness we cultivate, the more we realize there really is no separation between any of us. We're all mm -hmm. part of the same being. And goodness gracious, I feel like everybody who understands that, they come to the realization that we're all here to heal ourselves and help heal others. We're all just walking ourselves home or walking each other home, like Ram Das said. And so I'm a firm believer that we are, we're here to love on one another, to help one another, however we can. And there's such purpose and joy and beauty in the simplicity of that. It is. And sometimes when you come across someone that's very difficult or angry, some people that I saw during the pandemic, I did not agree with them whatsoever and what they were doing. Mm -hmm. But I saw the fear in them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, how horrible it must be to feel that kind of fear. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that I'm not going to hit on religion or politics or sales. I want to make my podcast a safe place yeah. for people. Yeah. And ultimately, I feel like I think about it in terms of the true self and the false self. And this is something my greatest healer and my acupuncturist has talked to me a lot about. But the true self doesn't care about politics and religion and the differences between people. To me, that is all false self stuff. In the structure we're in and the level of consciousness that our current society is in, we need government structures. I understand that. We need some sense of order. But when it comes to spirituality and, and my own personal way of walking in the world, I vote and I participate in government because I feel like that's my responsibility as an American. But beyond that, I refuse to engage in fighting with people or spending a lot of energy trying to convince anybody of anything because it's just not the best use of our time, in my opinion. And again, when you think about it in terms of true self and false self, those activities in a lot of ways, in my opinion, are not the highest level of vibration. There's so much manipulation. There's so much anger. Yes. There's so much fear mongering. I mean, I think about the media and I'm like, man, these stories are so twisted. They're inside out. How does anybody see the real truth behind it? And so when I'm thinking about how I want to walk in the world on a daily basis, engaging in those kinds of activities, it sucks my energy. And I just, I don't yes. want to do it. So I understand exactly where you're coming from. I won't even read fiction or watch a movie that is negative. Yeah. Because it, it does affect you, you know, especially in, you know, empathic people like we are. Yeah. It, it, it does. Oh, really, it does. We already, we're already bombarded with so much <laughs> of it <laughs> without even watching TV and reading. But yeah, so that is one of the things I notice about the soul is that it does talk to you through meditation. There are people that are 100% into prayer and will not do meditation. Mm -hmm. I think that Wayne Dyer said it beautifully, and this is paraphrasing him. Prayer is when you talk to God. Meditation is when you hear him or oh, her. I just got Isn't full body chills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a sense of, oh, it's, it's the deepest kind of peace when you allow yourself to quiet. And it's almost, for me, 
I can't deny that God exists when I'm in that place because I feel the presence of God, the presence of spirit so keenly. That energy is sometimes overpowering. Yeah. I've gotten a lot of my poetry and stories from from that kind of stuff. It all comes around as symbols. Yeah. And I have to try to make, to me, it makes sense. But to put it on paper, it doesn't make any sense. You have to really work it. But yeah, I think that we need to quiet the mind to hear our soul. Mm. Otherwise, we just won't hear our soul. Oh, that's so true. There's people that, I mean, even if you want to take a scientific viewpoint of it, look at how many people come up with the same, you could call it Akashic Records, you could call it the universal knowledge. But even in physics, there's some kind of knowledge going around that so many people come up with the same invention Mm -hmm. at the same time like that knowledge is released and then it's picked up by Mm -hmm. us what kind of knowledge do you think a person can get from really going within what do you think are the changes that might come about well I think everything is right there and I am a firm believer in universal truth and universal intelligence So I don't think it's any accident that, you know, an inventor in Germany invents the same thing as somebody in California, because I think when we are tapped in, all of the wisdom and all of the energy is right there. And so when we are willing and brave enough to go inward, which I think the fear of doing is far worse than the reality of doing, there is this peace that is so transcendent. There's also the opportunity, I believe, for alignment. You know, I think when we come in, especially in the West, we are born into this world and immediately our parents have expectations of us. Our families have expectations of us, society, school, all of these cultural norms, expectations, judgments are placed on us. And so often it creates this disconnect between what we feel in our bodies and what we feel in our souls. And it can cause all kinds of problems, mental problems, physical problems. But as we dive deeper and deeper and we tap into that sense of universal intelligence and universal truth and the truth of who we are and why we're here, in my experience, the alignment that occurs inside then starts to occur on the outside. And it may be what people call coincidence or serendipity or miraculous events, but you know, you'll set an intention and then all of a sudden somebody will call you out of the blue or you'll meet somebody or your car will stop at a stoplight that's in front of a billboard that's the next clue in your journey. Um, and so I feel like in order to fully live our lives to the utmost of who we came here to be, we can't do that without a soul connection. And we can't do that without each other. We need each other too. We need human connection. We are social beings and we need deep connection, not topical connection, although that's important too. We need deep soul connection to be seen and heard and loved as we are. Very true. And there's so many people that can say, I don't have anyone that close. Oh. And I think when you say something like that is because you're fearful of opening up. I was just going to say vulnerability is scary. 
And we're taught in a lot of ways to be tough and not to be vulnerable and not to show that side of ourselves because it can appear weak. But I want to flip that lie on its head and say, vulnerability, of course, should be reserved for the people who have earned your trust. However, vulnerability is the only way to true connection. It really is. We can't get there without it. And it really is true about the vulnerability. I went through a time, I'm going to use myself as an example for you, uh, through a time that I was very, very vulnerable. Mm. It was when I started writing my first book and I was terrified to let the world know because I'm going to publish it. So I was terrified to let the world know my innermost feelings mm -hmm, and everything. Mm -hmm. And then my sister said, Hey, do you want to do a leadership course this weekend? You don't have to pay anything for it. And I'm like, so I said, yeah, but I'm so vulnerable. And she goes, well, then you cry a lot. And so <laughs> I like your sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're siblings, that kind of stuff, she's a, she works, she does leadership as mm. well. Uh, she works mostly with corporate, oh, okay. uh, trying to teach them how to be more accepting of themselves in order to be a better employee, mm -hmm. be a better leader in their own company. Wow, so, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was very hard to go through that vulnerability, mm -hmm. feel weak. We also live so much in the masculine, which is the warrior. We can't be emotional. We can't be this. We can't be that. And there's nothing wrong with the feminine. I've always had an issue with everybody getting rid of the feminine version of every word because we need there's the nothing wrong with we need it. We need it as a balance. We need the masculine and we need the feminine and they need to be equally important. Even men. I mean, my husband, yes. for example, is he is this ex-football player. He's six two. He's muscly. He is the epitome of a man. He loves to fix stuff. He loves to build stuff, but he also loves to talk about his emotions and what he's feeling. And because well, he knows he's in a safe place. He, well, absolutely. And he knows that that is what leads to joy and peace and alignment. If you deny that aspect of yourself, the what we call feminine, but it's, it's our emotional health and mental health in a lot of ways. If we deny that, we are denying a huge part of who we are. And when you think about it in terms like that, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, why are we yeah, doing no, that? No, it's not. You have to be well-rounded. Yeah. Emotionally, you have to have that emotional intelligence. Mm. It's just not one way or another. Emotions are, you can't really explain emotions sometimes because you could be all over the place and then mm. nowhere at all, you know, feel numbness. Mm. There's a lot of fear I find in people trying to make change because they feel unsure. Mm -hmm. They're not sure-footed anymore. Mm -hmm. What they believe no longer exists. So now they're not feeling secure on their platform. Mm. So what do you say to customer, clients, not customers, clients who are afraid to change? I love change. The only thing I don't change is my apartment. I only have one thing <laughs> that I don't change. But me and everything else, I, I change. But what would you say mm. to a client who is so afraid to change? Mm. Yeah. You know, I think self-doubt is such a huge part of change. People have difficulty trusting themselves and trusting their gut instincts because they've been told that they need to look outside of themselves for answers. 
So when it comes to change and fear of change, you know, I I like to approach things by asking questions like, where do you think that fear comes from? Is there a significant event in your life that occurred that made you afraid of change? What were your parents like with change? How did they handle it? And what is it about this potential change that you're coming up against that makes you so, so uncomfortable? And I think rooting down to what the core belief is, for instance, you know, maybe somebody in grade school was bullied when they went to a new school. And so that subconscious belief became, when I change my location, I open myself up to be bullied or to not be understood. And until you ask those questions, people don't really understand, myself included, that we're walking around with all of these subconscious beliefs that are in the driver's seat. And so we have to do the work of undoing them. And often the process of undoing them, it can be a little uncomfortable, but in general, it's not really that bad. It's like a series of aha moments or a chiropractic adjustment where at the end of it, you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. I'm glad I know now. I know for me, like I had a fear with money and I didn't understand why I had this fear around money. And then I rooted it down and I was like, oh my gosh, I have a fear around wealth because I'm afraid that if I were to be wealthy, I would make other people uncomfortable. And that's the last thing I want to do. So I'm working now on flipping that around and going, if I'm wealthy, I have the ability to help people in ways that I never imagined that I would be able to help them. And so, exactly, yeah, that fear of change or fear of doing things differently, it's on, on the surface level, it's a fear, but really deep down in general, there's also a subconscious belief that is holding us back. You know, I had the same one with you. If I had money, cause I've seen people misuse it. Yeah. So it's them yeah. misusing it. I've seen people misuse it where they spend on everything and then they don't pay their employees well. Oh, you know, so it's like your employee needs to make a life. It needs to make money to live. Yeah. It shouldn't be for you to buy a fancy car or a fancy house at the, at the sweat of your employees. Mm. So one of the things I came up with is like, well, with money, I get to pay someone to help me to work with me at a good rate. Yeah. Oh, exactly. At the going yeah, rate. So they, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's so it's like now I don't really have that fear because I can actually help somebody. If I think in terms of helping someone, uh, I don't have an issue. Changes everything. When I, it really does. Because, you know, like uh, when I was helping a program with youth writing and, you know, trying to take them out of the bad neighborhoods, mm. I asked for favors left and right without even thinking twice because it wasn't for me. Yeah, it was for, it's for all, yeah, it's these kids. people that, that so freaking deserve it. I agree. Exactly. And they deserve a chance. Yeah. But for me, if I think, oh, I want to be rich for the, no, it doesn't work that way. I I want to not worry about money. I don't really worry about it. I just, sometimes I do when I look at my account, but. (laughs) I get it. um, I get it. Yeah. Having enough where I can help. I Mm -hmm. could pay someone to work with me at a good rate and not have to be, I can't pay you this much because to me, when you haggle someone's pay, you're saying they don't have any value. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had people haggle my pay before and it just feels so icky. It it feels so icky. And I feel like, yeah, valuing people, blessing them, gifting people things that they need, the ability to do that, like 
I have so much more joy from helping somebody out than buying something for myself. Though buying something for myself also, I don't want to feel bad about that. You know, I work hard. So I shouldn't feel bad about blessing myself with something. So I think there's also a balance there that I'm trying to get to is that's like, I don't want to feel guilty for spending money on myself. I just don't want that to be the focus. I want the focus to be on abundance for all and let that lead the way rather than some kind of material possession driving the ship for me, Yeah, you know? Yes. Like I was, um, I I did a a photo shoot last week and after the pandemic, I have no idea what size I am. I just know I gained weight. (laughs) (laughs) And we all did. Yeah. Uh, so I just said, I have no idea what size I am. I haven't bought clothes in over a year. So let me take what I need to take with me just in case. And then I looked around. I'm like, okay, I really need to buy some new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I, I've gotten rid of so much during this pandemic yeah. because the practicing of gratitude, which so many people did. And I was more than happy to change. I love change. I am one of these people that gets very bored with too. the same, same yeah, old. I, 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 I embrace it, yeah. even though sometimes it's really hard. Yeah. And when I do go through a change that's very difficult, what I have found the back end of that is I let go of it mm. and I become more creative. Yes. Yes. And I am like, wow, I'm letting go of all this stuff. I'm letting. And I was one that felt a little on, you know, even though I like change, it was a change for me that I didn't know where I was going to stand, what's going to happen. What about my home? What about, you know, you start thinking all that and many people did during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. but that gratitude of Mm -hmm. saying, thank you for everything I have. I was able to give away so much stuff Mm -hmm. and I'm still got more things to go through it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I did a a talk on perceptions of possessions. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really short. It's like five minutes. That's so powerful though. Yeah. It's just letting go. But then my creativity flourished on the other ends mm. for anyone that's afraid that openness mm. and it lets creativity come in. Oh. What do you feel about something like that? Oh, I love it. I'm such a, I mean, my husband and I last August sold our house. We sold my car. We sold probably 85% of everything that we owned. And people were asking me that question, like, what was it like to get rid of everything? Aren't you afraid that you might want it back? And my response to that is anything without a heartbeat can be replaced. I have my husband, I have my dogs, like the material stuff, though some of it is comforting and some of it is nice and I appreciate it. It's not who I am. And I think when we want to be throttled into a new level of growth, there is a clearing that is required. And Elizabeth Gilbert wrote this in Eat, Pray, Love. She talks about the physics of the quest. And she said that when you want growth, if you are willing to let go of whatever it is that no longer serves you, whether that's a home or a car or relationships, and you are willing to walk a somewhat uncomfortable path and you are willing to view every experience that you have as a teacher, 
And most of all, to learn to accept some uncomfortable truths about yourself and forgive yourself, then the truth will not be withheld from you. And that has been my experience. I feel like letting go of all of the, and I'm doing this in quotes, comforts that I had, it allowed me to be metaphorically kind of in a transition, like waiting, balancing period where it felt like the ground beneath me was shifting. But the beautiful thing is, is I feel like the foundation that was built after that process of change and discomfort and letting go of all these material possessions, it allowed an ushering in of a foundation that is so much more aligned with who I am but it required for me. And I'm not saying that's everybody's path. Not everybody needs to sell all their stuff and move. But for me, that was required. I had to leave what was familiar. I had to let go of what was familiar and usher in a new, like literally a new reality and a new way of being. It's the purge of the old. Yeah. We have to make space. And I find that every time I do that, my creativity flourishes. We're all such creative beings, but it's hard to be creative when we're feeling stuck or stagnant. and Or we feel like the weight of the world is on top of us and all we can do is breathe. When it's such a challenge just to breathe. Mm. What helped me get rid of things was a couple of years back, I walked into someone's home. They were very nice. I went up there for a wedding and they let me have a room in their home. They were a minimalist, oh, or they still yeah. are a minimalist. Yeah, I love minimalism. Me too. I've been striving for that. And I have to tell you, I am the slowest person on earth to get there. No, you're not. <laughs> I guarantee there is slurp. It's hard. It's not easy. Oh my God. Yeah. It's not no, easy. I, I took everything out of the closet and I'm, this is why there's blur because everything's out of the closet. Now it's all here. Yeah. And now I'm overwhelmed because there's so much to go through. <laughs> yeah, but good for but, you. Oh, that but I want to get rid of it. Yeah. But this woman was a minimalist and I went in and I asked her, I go, it's like a weight fell off my shoulders and it wasn't even my home. This is walking into someone else's home. And I asked her, how did you do that? She says, I moved twice and I got divorced. <laughs> So she had to learn to let go. But now she says, I'm at peace. I don't have a lot of stuff. I don't have to think about stuff. I don't have to think about cleaning all this stuff. She goes, I just dust because I have only what I need. And when you realize that you really don't need so much stuff, you just need what you need. Mm. There's such a um, peace and a beauty in that. It's so comforting. I felt I I came home and I started getting rid of things. And, you know, you get motivated and then you don't get motivated and you get motivated. (laughs) I have been like right now, I'm just trying to organize and put everything in one place where it belongs. And then I could go through that one place. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could get rid and it's not so overwhelming because you do, you know, one drawer at a time or. Yeah. Yeah. I have to get rid of a lot of clothes. I I mean, before we moved, gosh, I got rid of so much. And now when I buy stuff, I'm like, I'm only going to buy things that I'm going to wear and that bring me joy. Oh my goodness. I'd so much rather buy one or two pieces that are a little bit more expensive and stuff that like I will put on and be so excited about than 
what I used to do, which was go to the sale rack and buy what, whatever was in my size and be like, Oh, this is cheap. I can get tons of it. You know, I, I just, yeah, it's not me anymore. It's not me anymore. No, you know, it's funny. Neither is it with me. I'd rather get something like you said that I'm going to wear because what is the, we do the 80, 20 rule. Yeah. We wear 20% yeah. of the 80 of the wait. 80% of the time we wear 20% of our wardrobe and it's so true. It is so true. And I have some fancy clothes and I have to tell you, I bought it because I, you know, I needed to go to an event or something like that, but it's like, oh, I still have it there thinking that I'm going to use it. Mm -hmm. Who knows? It probably doesn't even fit me anymore. Mm -hmm. I have gowns I have to get rid of. I don't go to events like that. And if I do, I'll buy one. (laughs) I think, isn't that such an important part of what we're talking about too, is people are so afraid to let go. So, so, so afraid to let go. But the reality is, is we do live in a country where we have so many things at our fingertips. And if on the off chance you need another gown, you're going to be able to get one. And it's probably going to be something that you love wearing rather than, you know, something that you're pulling from the archives. I mean, who, who knows, but yeah, I just, I feel like letting go is the physical practice of letting go aids the spiritual practice of letting go too. And when we hold tight to things that don't bring us joy or that we don't wear or that no longer serve us, we are allowing something to take up space in our physical world that we just don't need. And like you experienced when you walked into that woman's home, there's such a peace in having things that are curated and intentional. That's what it is. It was intentional. Mm. She had what she needed and that was it. And I just loved what she did. That's what I, I strive for that. Mm-hmm. Me too. I work on it every day for those listeners that are out there thinking that we've, you know, we're at the top. Uh, no, we have the same problems too. <laughs> we still have to work on them yeah. all the time. Oh, and it just happens here. to be a new one. Yeah. Same here. You know, we got rid of so much of our stuff, but then we lived tiny for about a year. And it's amazing how much stuff you can still let into a tiny home. So now as we've moved out of the RV and we're in a house, I'm going through everything again, going, how many bottles of cleaner do I need? (laughs) Like how many, you know, it's just, it's wild how things accumulate so so fast. And I, oh, my soul just craves that simplicity too, Sonia, of like, I want what I have to be stuff that I love and appreciate. And that feels special to me. I don't want excess. I just don't. No, you know, and I laugh because you said chemicals. They just came to look at my garbage disposal. So I had to take everything out. And I'm like, how many freaking bottles do I need? It's so funny, right? It's like I buy the same thing. Oh, well, this one's um, lavender scent and this one's lemon scent. And this it's like, who cares? It's a floor you're cleaning. Uh, (laughs) But I do the same thing. I do the same thing. And marketing is so good, obviously, because we're buying into it. But I think also going back to that concept of true self and false self, when you're in that true self state, you just realize like this stuff, it's not real. 
<laughs> it's really not real. It's an illusion. The only thing that's real is our heart and our energy. Anything beyond that, like it doesn't define us. It's not who we are. No, it's not our soul. It's not our soul at all. And that's what we need to really, that inner, just quiet the mind. Five mm -hmm. minutes, people take one minute and just breathe. Listen to your breath for a minute. It's so calming. Mm -hmm. I use that for writing. When I'm stuck, I meditate on what I should do. Oh. Sometimes you just need that last line, yeah. you know, on a poem and it just isn't coming. So I just take a break and meditate. And if it comes to me, it comes to me. If it doesn't, I'll put it away and come back to it later. <sighs> There's no sense in being hard on yourself because the answer doesn't come. Yeah. Oh, I could not agree more. I read a quote this morning. It was by Lucille Ball and I'm going to paraphrase it, but she said, mm -hmm. essentially the key to life is self-love. And I think that in our culture, self-love is now a kind of a buzz term, but mm -hmm. we think of it in terms of what we can do for ourselves rather than who we are and how we treat ourselves. And I think the how we treat ourselves and speak to ourselves is so much more important than anything we do outwardly. And like what you just said, you're writing a poem, you may be stuck on the last line, rather than berate yourself like so many creatives do, and I'm a songwriter, so I get it, you take a breath, you stop for a minute, you allow the answers to come rather than trying to force it. That's self-love. You know, yes. I feel like for me, I'm driven. I want to accomplish a lot of things in this lifetime, but sometimes I sit at my laptop and I'm like, I'm so exhausted right now. Gosh, taking a nap would be so beneficial. And then I can come back refreshed and actually do the work. But exactly. there's a part of me that I still fight with that goes, you can't, that's lazy. You got to push through. You got to push through. But the self-love part is like, lady, you've been going, going, going. Your body's tired. Honor it. Yes. Honor it. And that's what we don't. We push, push because we make commitments to others and never to ourselves. Oh, we break our own promises all the time. And going back to the soul. I feel like the soul is what anchors us and the soul is what speaks. And sometimes it speaks through the body and the body is so honest, right? The body is like, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I need a break. And we need yes. to honor those things. And if you don't listen, then that's where I really find that's where illnesses come. Oh my gosh. Headaches. Yes. Aches and pains because your body's saying, well, if you don't stop, I'm going to make you stop. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And isn't it more fun and more loving to engage in a relationship with our soul and in our body that honors those inklings? They're there for a reason. Just like our dreams are there for a reason and our creativity is there for a reason. That inkling to take a brace, a break and have some rest. That's there for a reason. Yes, I really believe it. Every, I think life is always there. You just have to tap into it and listen. Yeah. We don't listen. No, we don't. Problem, we don't listen. <laughs> we don't. And one of my biggest tips for listening is putting down our phones for extended periods of time. Like not 20 oh, yeah. minutes, like a day. No. I don't allow people, if you're going to have dinner with yes. me and I, you better put that phone away. Yeah. 
that phone or else I'm not having, you know what, if you're so attentive to a phone versus me, who's there in person, then I don't need to spend time with you. And it's just so much more fun to spend time with people when they're engaged and present with you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and I just find the phone, I don't have issues when I'm with other people. I actually like am the opposite. And my husband will be like, I called you five times. I was so worried about you. Where were you? And I was like, oh, I was having coffee. But I do when I'm by myself or working, I'm constantly like, oh gosh, I have a million emails to return. I've got DMs, I've got this, and it's so much stimulation and it gets in the way of that tender, soft voice of the soul saying, hey, why don't you contact this person? Or, hey, maybe if you journal, you'll find the answer to this. Or, hey, you bought this book six years ago and I want you to take it off the shelf and read page 64. You know, like the soul speaks to me like that. But if I don't quiet enough, the sound of the outside will drown out that voice. And then I become discontented or, oh, so exhausted, so out of alignment. And that's the thing is to stay in alignment. Mm -hmm. So Jacqueline, what would you say to the audience as a closing? I'm going to use a Howard Thurman quote that I use on my podcast. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Beautiful. And I think that is the purpose for all of us. It's to step into who our soul walked into this world to be and to remember who we really are, which are limitless, infinite beings capable of anything and capable of so much love. Thank you so much for saying that. And how can people reach you? Yeah, JacquelineSteele.com, J-A-C-L-Y-N-S-T-E-E-L-E. And then on Instagram, it's the same, Jacqueline Steele. And I am on both of those places very regularly. And also, uh, I will put all your information on the notes as links so they can contact you. Wonderful. I really appreciate your talk on connectivity of the soul. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it was my pleasure, Sonia. What an honor. Thank you so much. Blessings. Blessings to you. Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at PoeticResurrection.com for the latest information and updates.